continuing their quest to reach the crown of Egadon and activate the heart of the void, the party was party to some dastardly deals between a troubadour group and the refugees that they'd been helping after an unfortunate confrontation led to inaction. The party returned to their camp and waited out the night and the storm. Come morning, the storm has not passed. There's still a light drizzle of rain and dark clouds mar the sky. The ever-present twilight sun, nowhere to be seen. As your own party sets off, you hear the creaking and squeaking of wagon wheels as Hayden and his group of refugees press ever northward on the road. With breakfast done and everyone's belongings packed and ready, Corio stands at the head of your group and cocks her head northward. And she says, well, we might as well follow them. No use going ahead. Besides, if anything truly horrible comes about, they will take the brunt of it. Probably not the smartest thing to say this morning. Corio shrugs and will turn and walk along the road. And she'll look back at Val as she does and say, this is war, no? No, it is, but... Uh... That is not how we want to fight it. We will try. Orlandir joins Corio up at the front. He just, as the conversation with Val is happening, packs up the last of his things, stands, walks up to Corio, and motions his head towards the road. Corio won't say anything, but won't object to your company. Luna's the last of the group to really get up and get going. And as Val, you know, you help her to her feet and such, she just shakes her head and says, I don't like this. No, it is awful, and there is nothing to like about it. Well, at the very least, we'll trudge on and help these people still as best we can and reach that camp, hmm? If you don't feel like putting on a brave face, Luna, I don't think you have to. What would you have me do? I don't know. Giving someone uh, the advice to feel their feelings does not seem particularly useful currently. I don't see where despair gets me, so why entertain it? I suppose you're right. Let's catch up. He will nod and go with her. Mick is going to isolate herself from the rest of the group, won't really talk to anybody else, feeling especially complicit in the troubadour's plan. So she's just going to remain quiet and continue walking, trying not to interact with the rest of the group intentionally. As the day goes on and the storm begins to clear a little and you see brief flashes of sunlight on the horizon... You don't stop for a meal, and neither do the refugees. Everyone just eats on the road. Corio, who offers a piece of her bread to Rolandir walking beside her, says, It is unfortunate that sometimes these things come down to ruthless arithmetic, but such is the way of the world when in such dire situations. I would think, at least, this is all unprecedented, no? Honestly, the only thing that gives me any sense of comfort with this, he says motioning towards the refugees or anything else in the world, is at least the fact that it's going to change. Yes, there will still be bad people who do bad things, but I have to tell myself it'll be in some way better. Of course, and in the end, you will only have your own actions to look back upon, to weigh, I imagine. And I would hope as the godborn of Sadizur that... You would do your best to protect these people. Yes, I would too. With any luck, we should be reaching the camp. Hopefully by the end of the day, if not the start of the next. Yes. <laughs> I hope that your information on these camps is at least a little better founded than the rumors that these refugees have heard. 
I wish I had the confidence to say that it was, but all I have is hearsay. Regardless, camp or no camp, it is a direct road to the pass up the mountain. We will take it and be there one way or another, and we have the means to sustain ourselves. I was more meaning for their sake than ours, but yes. Oh, of course. (sighs) Out of curiosity, if you had the power to mold the very universe and reshape it to your whim, what would you choose? (laughs) I believe I would do something incredibly stupid and selfish. (laughs) Probably centered around myself and my family, those who I know, those who I interact with. Everything would look like how I imagine the world to be, which is most certainly not what it is. Well, if nothing else, you at least honestly recognize that there is something unconscious to all of our decisions that, think one way or another, ends up serving ourselves. No, I completely agree. Whoever does use that infernal device that you hold, I would not be surprised if in 200 years' time there are quite a few statues of them erected. One way or another, their wants are going to creep in. Their desires. This is a thing that manifests desire, no? Yes. And intent, as it were, is simply the intent of that individual who wields it. And so, is it just the pattern of the universe to be dictated by an individual or a group of individuals just making the world purely to suit their needs? Perhaps. But intent in and of itself is unwieldy. It is unlike, and she just pricks her forefinger with her fingernail and draws a bit of blood. Unlike the power of Sedizua and the Sanguine, I would say. There are bonds, deep bonds that are formed with the blood, that are not as mutable as those formed with intent. I've spent an embarrassingly little amount of time really trying to understand the power that Sindor has given me related to then he just holds up his hand that is the sanguine arm. Well, what you have, and perhaps been a bit too focused on the intent. Maybe with the time we have left on the road, you could try to teach me or at least educate me a little, a little bit more what it truly means to be of the blood. I will try to elucidate it for you, but I must admit I am not as well versed in it myself. Uh, not in that I do not understand it, but that communicating it is a whole other matter. Imagine, if you will, trying to describe an animal to someone who has never seen or heard of it before. And not only that, but he does not understand its constituent parts. Describe to me a bear or the like without describing the color of its fur, the shape of its spine, or the length of its claws. Lander nods his head in agreement. I agree, that may not be the best way to do it then. And he pauses a little bit and then just holds out his hand to Corio. Maybe a practical demonstration is the best way, then. It is uh, posited, though I've never interacted it with myself, that the blood can carry, well, all sorts of things. Emotions, desires. Well, of course we know that the blood is what carries emotion and desire. When we wish or want something, we are flushed. When we are embarrassed, we desire to extricate ourselves from whatever situation we find them in. And... Is it not a human saying that uh, your face grows red or something of the sort? Something like that. Her pinpricked finger, she just kind of holds out toward you and says, You're on. And Rolandir, does he, like, does this hand have that sharp nail thing? Yep. That, okay. He'll do the same. He'll give his finger a little stab with his nail and hold it out as well. Draw some blood. Yep. 
And between her thumb and forefinger, then, she'll just take your finger and press the tip to hers. And you feel a bit of a warm jolt, honestly, that only moves, say, up to your wrist. And you feel that you, I wouldn't say exactly know what Corio is talking about, but just that you understand more. You grasp this concept of the blood that she's speaking of, this communal bond between Sanguine, though having never really lived in their culture or partaken of their society yourself, this knowledge of how it works is imparted to you, but as soon as she removes her hand from yours, that warmth fades, and this understanding seems to go with it. And she just shakes her head and she says, I did not feel a thing. Kind of releasing a breath that he didn't know he was holding. Can... Can I learn that permanently? That was knowledge. That was something else. She just looks at you with a cocked eyebrow and a half smile and says, I, Rolandi, I honestly do not know what you are talking about. Learn what? <laughs> Again, trying to describe a bear to someone who has not seen a bear. I, tonight, we can discuss further. But thank you. Yes, once we reach the camp. And Rolandi will just nod, kind of wipe up the blood off his finger and keep on walking. Anything else of note that anyone wishes to accomplish during the course of the day? Outside of the usual tasks of firewood and foraging that everyone will take part in. I think Val is still trying to think of a way to make a Heart of the Void dupe, but has not arrived at any useful or logical conclusions. Definitely not, since like every time you get a good idea in your mind and then like look at the Heart of the Void, it just seems to defy whatever expectation you'd set for it. <laughs> Work with me here, machine. <laughs> is it a machine? I, I don't know. And then the bell is like, wait, are you a machine? And then it's like, I'm a bird. <laughs> <laughs> if Mick has been like avoiding the party the whole day, even kind of getting later into the day as we're going towards night, Rolandier will fall back to get in pace with Mick wherever she's walking. And Mick will lift up her head and notice this, but will not look directly at Rolandier and will say, well, go on, say it. I was foolish yet again. I was going to say that my socks are damp and I need some new ones, but <laughs> I don't think you're foolish, Mick. I think all of us, logically, perhaps would have been better off listening to Vamok, not getting in any way tied up with those refugees, just carrying on as we were and not having to feel the worst bit about it. But we did, and we saw something that, unfortunately, I've had to say to myself was out of our control. Could we have taken control of the situation? Maybe. But would it have been better? Uh, Rolandia, out of their control, I was a pawn in their scheme, and I gladly allowed myself to be so. I gladly accepted their will. Now, having that perspective, can you really say that what I did... Rolandia, I feel like, out of all of us in this company, that their fate, what happened to those children, is my fault. And Rolander stops at this, just stops walking and kind of grabs Mick's shoulder. Mick, whatever happened would have happened. You may feel and may have had the most visible being on stage playing as you did, which was fabulous, by the way. But everyone in this party is as responsible or not responsible for what happened as the other. We all sat in that camp. We all observed what was going on. We all had, at some point, an opportunity 
to press further, to try to dig deeper, to step in more where we shouldn't have stepped, but we didn't. And if I'm being honest, I think for now, that's the best result that could have come out of it. I myself am a displaced child. I can't say that it will be better or worse for them, but for those who are directly impacted, those of the refugee group, they've accepted it. There is one thing we can still do, however, and that is complete our journey. And that has to be enough. Mick is going to pause at hearing this for a while. Really doesn't have the words to respond to that. I think that Mick, as she's thinking about this, she's still going to be looking at the ground as she walks. And if Rolandia is watching her, we'll see that uh, tears are starting to stream down her face. Rolandia, they may have accepted it. But I can't. I... I can't. If I'm being honest, I don't think you should. I think you need that. Whatever it is inside you, just keep it. Hold on to it, and I guarantee you there will be a time, not too far in the future from now, that you should use it. Whether that's our journey up the mountain, or using the Heart of the Void itself. I pray it's someone like you who uses it. Someone who feels for... Not just some abstract generality of everyone on this world, but individuals. We should probably catch up with the others, but... You can feel bad, or distraught, whatever you need to feel about them, but don't in any way think that that says that you are less worthy or foolish or anything for doing what you did. Mick is going to just briefly glance up at Rolandir, and we'll look towards the ground again and will slowly nod a couple of times and that will be the end of it. As the day carries on and the rain actually worsens for a spell, it's in the party's best interest to move off the road for a time, build a small shelter and fire, have dinner as it were, and wait for the weather to subside. The refugees in their wagons and such push a little forward and you lose sight of them over one hill then the next. By the time the rain lets up, the sun has actually re-emerged, and so as it's probably 6 or 7 p.m. once more, you're treated to the perpetual sunrise-sunset that Egadon has adopted. Moving forward, regaining your pace on the road, the first oddity is one of the refugees walking toward you, a lone man, his head hung, and a walking stick over his shoulder with a small sack tied to the end of whatever paltry belongings he held. And as you reach the next hill, and the next, you see a clearing, large, laid out in front of you, with many roads that dip down and then converge into a large camp of sorts at the base of the mountain. And it's clear that there was once something here, but no longer. The base is peppered with tent poles and banners, strips of canvas or tattered flags streaming off them in the wind. The refugees in their wagons are already scattering, turning back or fanning out as individuals or small groups. A symphony of cries and wailing can be heard from within the wagon's perimeter, and Hayden himself is at the front of this procession, prostrate and weeping, one hand stretched out in front of him, dirtied fingertips digging into the mud. And you see, as you all approach, Corio then just hands on her hips, looking out at this scene, looks at Rolandir and goes, Ugh, Well, shit. Like I said, there or no, we will press on. We have what we need. We can reach the mountain switchbacks from there. 
She points across this little valley where the camp used to be situated, and sure enough, you see a path starting to zigzag up into this mountain range. But then she glances back at the refugees and just shakes her head again. Is Hayden still ahead of us, or did we pass him? You're coming up on him. As we're going through, seeing all this around us, Rolandir will approach Hayden and kneel down beside him. Hayden. Hayden. He's weeping. He seems inconsolable. Rolander's going to try to get him at least into, like, a sitting position, reaching down and putting his hands under his arms. You were able to lift him up onto his knees. His shoulders are shaking. His face is drenched in tears and mud. Rolander actually has a few tears of his own that his eyes get a little watery seeing him. I'm sorry, Hayden. He mouths something and he makes noises, but they're not words. Rolander's just going to try to prop him up into as stable a position as he can, and he's going to stand up and take a few steps further. Luna reaches the top of the hill and sees all this. Where's Val in relation to Luna? With her, for sure. And you just see her blanch as she looks over the lot of it and then grow red and just go, God damn it, damn it! And she just goes off. Vimok, as he looks out, where the camp should have been the miles of remnants of tents and debris and all that stuff. Vamak just kind of mutters, not really to anybody, more to himself. That is convenient. And then he just kind of gives a small shrug and goes back to whatever he was doing. A little shocked to see the sight of absolutely nothing there. Brynir is a bit silent and just kind of softly says, This is most unfortunate. Perhaps we can rectify this with the heart. Mick, seeing this scene, will immediately break down in tears. Will not directly look at anybody of any of these refugees, but understanding the situation will just break down, still feeling guilty for the part that she played. And Mick will look at this for a little bit, but then caught a glimpse of Vamak walking away and muttering something to himself. How? How can you feel nothing for these people? The mock stops upon hearing these words, and he turns around and says, And how can you let yourself be so completely ruled by your emotions that you give no thought to your actions? It is regrettable what these people have gone through. They are not the only refugees, nor will they be the last. But we have an opportunity to change that. We have an opportunity to alter the course of this world. But if we continue to stop and to break down and cry at the sight of everything that would break such a tender heart as yours, then we will never achieve our goals. That is how. I keep my eyes focused on one thing and one thing alone. It would be best to not let yourself get distracted. And the mock will turn around and keep walking. What words Mick would have had in response to Vamak, she can't find, and she lets him leave. I don't think Val even really knows how to take all of it in. It's just another devastation in, you know, hundreds of years of devastations like this, and there's not anything he can do about it except for press forward. I think that he does definitely, I mean, he gave up his grief. (laughs) ages ago so that's really not an emotion that he can engage with on a meaningful level just sort of like looks at all of it and feels awful that this is what has happened but 
like Vamok, knows that the only way to keep going is to go forward. But he will sort of, like, take in this interaction between Mick and Vamok and go to Mick and offer a hand down to her to either, you know, help her up or place on her shoulder if she's not ready to stand. I, I'm sorry for this, but now is not the time to fracture between ourselves. Mick has her eyes fixed on this scene. And so she doesn't look up at Val, but if a hand is offered to her, she will grab it as she steadily keeps her eyes on what once was the campsite for the refugees and will rise to her feet. For the record, Mick, I think that a tender heart is needed in order to make any of this work. Please don't lose your feelings. Mick, in response to this, doesn't reply much to what is said, but gives Val a look that she understands and that she's grateful for what she said. He will also let Luna go on whatever rampage she needs to go on. As long as it does not involve intent. If there's even an, an inkling of that, then he'll intercede. No, Luna's entire episode consisted of going halfway down the hill toward the camp, then back up, then back down, then back up, and then pacing back and forth and continually cursing and kicking things. And finally working her way back to where you and Mick are and just going, Fails. Hells. Damn it. What the? <sighs> All that. For, for them. She motions over to the refugees. For, for, for nothing. I've been rationalizing the entire day what they did and what we didn't do and now and she just points behind her at the emptiness we always knew that there is a chance there was no camp it is most regrettable that this is the situation but we must press on she'll nod but she won't acknowledge in any other way Corio who's found herself by Rolandir and Hayden puts a hand on Rolandir's shoulder as he's crouched beside Hayden and just says, We should be moving. It would be best if we made a little bit of progress up the mountain before, uh, well, nightfall, as it were. Nodding, still crouched, Rolandir takes a final glance around at this dispersing band of refugees. Some of whom are moving down into the remains of this camp, but even you can tell from here there's nothing to scrounge. He opens his mouth towards Hayden. Like he's going to say something, but just stands up, looks at Corio. Onward then. She'll give a nod and start walking down the hill toward the camp proper. We all follow. Moving into the camp, it's actually hard to tell whether this was the result of a military action or some sort of forced exodus, or if it were entirely on the part of whoever once resided here. Regardless, it's been in this state for... A couple weeks now, at least. Though you don't find any remains of bodies, there are some scattered weapons, though a lot of them seem to be in states of disrepair that are well beyond as if they had just been left here and left to the elements. Where do you think they all went? Uh, how many people lived here in the camp? Thousands? Tens of thousands? Where could they have all gone? I don't know if I want to know. I was thinking maybe they tried to make their way up the mountain themselves, but... No. To what end? The only thing that is there are some scattered forts, I imagine. 
from the Fell Kingdom and perhaps some Kindish old outs. I don't see any reason for us to linger here, then. I agree. If anything, these Hodassa strongholds will be our next objective. If we can reach one, it will be easier and easier to resupply and move onward and upward. But I must say, there will come a point where there is no civilization. Perhaps halfway up the mountain, the path we will be forging will be new on thread by feet such as ours. It will get more difficult. Let's be on with it then. And Rylander's gonna just start trudging up the hill. Yeah, Rylander and Corio then will start following this path of slight switchbacks that lead into the more mountainous parts of this bench that you're at, at the base of the mountain. Luna stays for a moment, looking out at these silhouettes of tents, these tattered banners and such, as far as she can see, and just as silent, with her hands on her hips looking out over it all. As I assume Mick and Vamok and Brynir fall in line with Corio and Rolandir, Luna remains unmoved. I, I can't say anything about this either. Hmm? Oh. Oh no, I... <laughs> I have much to say, Val. I will listen. I think I'm happy. The deal you all made with Vale, though I would have never thought to seek him out, and certainly wasn't exactly thrilled to be in his company under the conditions I was in. I'm happy what we gave him. I, I don't want to kill Egg. I want him to suffer. And Honorhan? And... And Yatanis? And Odeker and whoever else is on his side. An heir? And if that's what Vale wants, if that's what he's going to do hereafter, then more power to him, quite literally. That's that's what I want. I think Vale genuinely doesn't know how to respond. Not because he disagrees with her, but because it's not an emotion that he feels. Like, he's not driven by this sense of revenge or of wanting to beget more suffering and I think he's sort of confused by those feelings like he doesn't know <laughs> where the line should be drawn on punishment what is justice what is mercy he has no idea and so yeah, I think he just sort of stands there and wonders why he doesn't want revenge why that doesn't feel right to him what expression would you say is on his face I think it's a sort of a scowl, but a very like internal one, like as he's as if he's thinking very hard. Like if Luna were to look up at you, would she be able to garner that you don't necessarily share her sentiments? I think she would see that he was confused at the very least. I think she would be able to see that he he does not like disagree with or condemn her for these thoughts by any means, but he's not sure how he feels. Then she'll furrow her brow as she looks at you and say, Cut for your thoughts. I don't know. Um, obviously, this is wrong, and there are people who are responsible for it, and some sort of justice is owed, but at what point does justice just become more punishment, more suffering? Well, I'd say that here, all of this is, well, only one person, or, or God, or whatever, is to blame, right? We're not harming or punishing a group, a collective, even those who would follow Egg. I don't 
I don't care. I just want the mastermind to be brought to justice. Well, I mean, the deal with Vale has been made, and there is nothing we can do about that, but in bringing to justice those ethereals and egg and air, we will also bring to justice those who have aided us. What do you mean? It is a blanket statement. All of those who are on our side will go to Vale, same as egg and air and the others, and... I don't think he will be keen to let any of them go. Are you saying we shouldn't honor his deal? No, by no means. I think that would create far more problems for us than it would solve. I am merely saying that there is not... I don't know. I'm The, the more I see of this world, the less convinced I am that there is any such thing as good and evil. Do, do you really think... And she seems to stutter a bit. She isn't quite sure what she wants to say. I I just assumed that Vale's deal encompassed those who were fighting against I like y- Yakuda or 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 my father. Do you think they'll have the same things meted out against them? It is hard to say with Vale, but I would not suspect him of virtue. Well, well then he he can't be the god of the dead or whatever the. No, that won't work then. I don't know if we have any way around it. I'll think of something. And then she'll walk toward the switchbacks where everyone else is going. I think Val lingers for a moment and looks back over this devastation and then beyond it until he can't see anymore and just sigh. These are so, There are so many problems that <laughs> he just does not know how to solve and he wants to solve them so desperately. And the harder he tries, the more he realizes that they're not meant to be solved. And after he spent a moment breathing that in, he'll turn around and follow. As your group trudges onward and upward, it's probably 9, reaching 10 p.m. By the time you all catch up to Corio and Rolandir, who went a good ways ahead, and you find them crouched down behind a rock, and not too far ahead is a small keep. There's a tower attached to one side, barely a tower, more of a turret, and there seems to be torchlight burning from within it and moving atop the battlement. It's a small fort, but a fort, and in your way, nevertheless. The days, journeys, emotional, physical, otherwise, are already weighing heavy on each of you. Well, what do you think? Reminder says to Corio. I haven't seen any movement from inside, but... <laughs> There's light, so someone's in there. I cannot tell who it belongs to, kin or human or whoever, but I doubt they will be incredibly friendly to us. Perhaps we send someone, a scout, feigning to be perhaps one of these refugees, someone seeking shelter, just to get a gauge on how many there are. I doubt they'd outright kill someone for knocking on the door. You would be surprised, Relandia. I mean to say, it doesn't sound like something I wouldn't or haven't done myself, but... I'd hope wouldn't happen now. Right. The rest of the group catches up. Does this have windows at all or anything like that? Like, how developed is this? Arrow slits, yes. Windows, no. Addressing the rest of the group who's joining, Orlander says, this place would be an ideal stop on our way up, but as you can see, it's already occupied. We don't know how best to proceed here, but I think, if nothing else, we don't really stand a chance fending off for ourselves without it, so... It can't house more than 
What would be a safe estimate based on its size that Rolander could think would fit in here? 300. <laughs> it can't be more than 300 people <laughs> in there. It can't be more than 300 <laughs> guys in there. Like. It's a convention center. <laughs> Roll history. All right. 12. From your general and collected knowledge, you'd estimate between 30 and 50 people. That's still a lot. Uh, that could be wrong. <laughs> Why don't you go and check? Says <laughs> <Is> Ryan. <laughs> Hello? How many of you are there? Is it between 30 and 50? <laughs> are you trained fighters? Or are you like pushovers that we could bully? I mean, that we could befriend. That we could befriend. Give some food and money to. We are a pack of troubadours waiting to play for you and give you food. And we push Mick to the front. I'm knocking on your door. I'm a troubadour and it's more door. Never mind. Oh, rhyme door with door. Expert move. Uh, racking his brain for how much, uh, you know, space is in this building and how many people it could generally house. Just cocks his head side to side. I mean, if it's sheltering more people than it should be, I obviously wouldn't want to try to... Well, I, I don't know. We want to go in. There's someone in there. How should we proceed? If I remember correctly, he says looking at Val, you were still elected the one to make our decisions, so... <laughs> Oh, boy. I forgot about that. Yeah, I did, too. (laughs) Everybody but Val forgot. (laughs) There is conceivably no way to proceed up this mountain without interacting with the fort, correct? You could. It would just be a difficult workaround. And as I said, it's 10 p.m. on a day that you've traveled extensively. Well, we could always ask for shelter. That's what I was saying to Corio, and then she reminded me that some people kill people outright for simply knocking on a door. I am in favor of the plan. I think it might be worth at least someone going up there, at least to see what we would be up against if things turned unfavorable, which I'm not saying they need to or should. Just <laughs> saying. <laughs> Very defensive, Rolander. <laughs> well, I, I will go if, if a volunteer is needed. Well, it is okay. I can go. I may be a little bit swifter on my feet if something were to happen. Perhaps, Brynir, you see if you can post up somewhere that's nearby. I, just saying a large Demlik man could be a little more imposing of a visitor than a smaller, less imposing, generic human. No offense, Val. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Val Val does not, he is not offended by this, but he does find it a little, like, morbidly humorous that, like, (laughs) (laughs) this is just the, he knows that he's not scary. (laughs) Mick is finally going to chime in to the conversation of the group and will say, well, I can at least scout out the place before one of us volunteers to interact with this group. We don't know if they mean harm or if they mean to be friendly towards us. I can at least see how many there are. That's the least I could do. If we are caught sneaking around, then that will be worse than just walking up to the door. Perhaps you're right. Perhaps the other half of my plan may work as well. I was going to suggest that perhaps you all lay in wait, and if I do come running, then we surprise them. I highly doubt they'll send the entire fort after one man. Also viable. 
Are we sending Brynja, or am I going, or should we both go? Under no circumstances should Val approach the fort. I agree. They could be dangerous. They could shoot on sight. <laughs> and if anyone has forgotten, Val is the one who bears the heart. So, yes, let us place our most valuable asset at the forefront of an unknown situation. And Vamak, like, throws up his hand and shakes his head a little as if he doesn't even know why anybody thought to even send Val in the first place. <laughs> Brynir, why don't you go? I might see if I can pass. Are there any of these arrow slits directly facing the direction that the entrance would be facing? Yes. Plenty, in fact. You are not going to sneak up, Isa. <laughs> what? Rolander says in his plate mail. <laughs> <laughs> Let us first see if they are friendly. I, I agree. Brynir, I think you should go and we'll be ready. If you hear some yelling, assume that's me and get ready for battle. Rolander will preemptively draw his sword. Wow, getting ready that far ahead of time. Oh, he, he's always ready. This guy wants some action. <laughs> At this point, after agreeing upon a plan, Brynir is going to go up and approach the fort. All right. You just walk straight up? Yeah. There's a bit of cloud cover from some storms and what that are swirling about the mountain, but definitely not enough to make it considerably darker than it would normally be. So you are in full and plain sight as you walk up to this fort. As Brynir approaches, you hear footfalls from within the fort and some clacking of mechanisms unseen. And then you hear a voice echoing down from one of these arrow slits or murder holes as you approach the gatehouse. And this voice rings down the mountain, not to the point where the rest of your party can make it out, but they can definitely hear it. And it says, stop, stop. Who goes there? The name's Brynir. Is your face covered? Maybe like with a cloak, like a hood. Like a hood, okay. Draw back your hood. Brynir does so. Kneel. Brynir will kneel, kind of put his hands up in the air. State your business here, Demlik. Looking for shelter. Just for yourself? A few others as well. Where are they? Is there any indication with any accents? Can I tell if this person's human or not? You have no clue. I don't know if I can reveal that information before I know who I'm dealing with. I know that there have been battles between human and kin. Want to make sure that I'm not going to be killed on sight, nor my friends. And who do you travel with then? Humans or kin? Humans. And you may have not met one yourself, but there is a sanguine among us. An arrow streaks from one of these slits and crashes into your shoulder for 26 damage. Holy crap. Oh, man. I guess they just don't like sanguines because it's not the human part because I was human. Or they detected you were lying and... <laughs> or or the sanguines were doing their jag veil stuff and like attacking humans and whatnot like they did to us. And they're like, these sanguines suck. <laughs> As the arrow streaks out and hits Brynir, Rolander is going to pop out from the rock. And is there any way to approach this thing that still provides cover to him? Or is it basically the rock and then open field? As soon as you pop out from the rock, an arrow impacts your chest for 29 damage. <laughs> oh, wow. They're good. These murder holes working real well for them. <laughs> the voice echoes out from this fort at Brynir and says, Don't move or you'll catch another one. I'm not sure why you shot me in the first place. 
You don't get a response, but there's another heavy clanking as the gate starts to open, revealing a portcullis. Brynir's gonna hold off for now. He's gonna stay there. And then if he sees a bunch of dudes trying to go trample him, he's gonna immediately bolt and run and go into rage. As the gate creaks to a stop fully open, you see a number of steel-clad individuals still behind the portcullis, their hands on their swords. And in this light, though they are in the shadows of their keep, you can make out the features and eyes, at least, of Elfkin. And the one that you recognize the voice of who's been talking to you steps a little closer and says, Are you going to try to run? Are you going to try to kill me? Only if you don't run. Perhaps I was not as honest as I could have been. Obviously not. There are humans and the sanguine. There are kin among our group too. He nods to an elfkin beside him and the portcullis starts to creak open and upward. Two of these elfkin soldiers duck underneath it as it's opening and start down the hill toward the rest of your group. And this elfkin takes a knee in front of you, Brynir, and says, Are they going to be met with any trouble? Considering you just shot me with an arrow, and I highly doubt they know what's going on. Very possible. Well, we shot one of them, too. Meanwhile, Rolander is crouching behind this rock with an arrow sticking out of his shoulder, hearing footsteps <laughs> coming towards him, saying, All right, we better get ready to give them some trouble. <laughs> Have your men hold off, and I can make sure that they are unharmed. Get to your feet, then. Now. Brynir does so. And he'll draw his sword, this elfkin, and kind of just stick it up against your back. Move forward now, quickly. Brynir will do so. And this elfkin is flanked by a small group of around eight others as he then leads you down the hill, where these other two, totaling eleven elfkin, have already arrived a good fifteen feet away from Rolandir, Corio, Vamok, Mick, Valluna. What do you plan to do with... Me and my friends. You tell them to come with us now, to lay down their arms, should they carry any. No sudden movements, or we won't hesitate to shoot you. Will you allow us to rest and be on our way tomorrow? Rest, yes. Be on your way? No. That depends. Have they reached all of us? You can see and hear all of this. They're 15 feet away. That will say in Kinlish, this is not exactly a hospitable welcome. This captain that's been poking Brynir with his sword arcs over <laughs> Brynir's massive shoulder and shouts, It was not meant to be. Who are you and what are you doing here? And straight answers, please. Val will stand up and, like, grab... Is there snow around or anything for him to use to, like, wipe off this makeup besides, like, his clothes? There's snow. There's a bit of snow. Okay. I will, between a mixture of, like, snow and just the sleeve of my shirt, I will clean some of my face off so that they can see that I'm kin. We are traveling up the mountain and have been traveling for some time. We need only a place to rest and we will be on our way. Tell me, why has one of the elder kin thrown in with this lot of humans? What if I was to say we were on a mission from Yukoda herself? And why would Yakuda sanction something from, well, you all, huh? And he pokes Brynir a little harder with the sword. I am her godborn. The elf can look between themselves. And finally, this captain seriously just sneers at you and says, I highly doubt that. An Elvaret, Yakuda's godborn. Do you take me for a fool? No, I would find it hard to believe myself, but I made her choose me. You made her choose you. 
I proved myself worthy of her attention. If that is true, that is certainly a story I would be interested to hear. But I doubt its veracity at the moment. Again, you are traveling with humans, refugees. No? Is this incorrect? Still kind of crouching beneath this rock as Val is talking with them. Herlander just like sticks a hand up, the non-sanguine hand. And he's like, if I may. And he slowly stands up as well, kind of both hands raised. His company is not just that of Goddess Yakuda. And he now pulls back and holds up his sanguine hand, and he rips out the arrow, actually, probably causing some more damage. But he is going to then heal this internally because he's using, I'm assuming, like, all of his kind of paladin-y powers. This might have been an ASMR power, but it's, like, kind of converted to sanguine blood-powered powers now. Basically using... I mean, you can just straight up use... You have a sanguine heal. I do? Well, then, I... Just like Val's magic or Vermok's magic, your magic is tied to intent, whether or not. Yeah. He rips the arrow out of his chest, and as blood is pouring out, it slowly stops and kind of gets a little lighter and then heals. This one is also accompanied by the godborn of Sindor, Tentiver, Lomira, and Delegast. That accounts for all but two of you. He kind of nudges at Corio, who, I don't know what she was doing this whole time, but just to kind of pop up. She has two knives in her hand, and she's just crouched beside you. (laughs) Ready to go. We have a sanguine, as Brynjir has said, who's accompanying us. He breathes in to say something else, but he doesn't, and he just looks at Luna, wherever she is. (laughs) She shrugs at you wordlessly. Anyways, we would love to tell you these stories in your uh, (laughs) much warmer shelter, but if that is too much trouble or risk or whatever you wish to judge it as, we can also just be on our way. No, you will be telling us these stories whether you like it or not, and he just looks at the rest of his soldiers, chain these godborn, and then uh, kill the sanguine and the servant girl. (sighs) <sighs> Val sighs wearily. <laughs> Brynir will go into a rage and grab the dude's, uh, like, try to move out of the way, grab the dude's sword arm and yank him down. You can sure try. I'm kind of going for more of a take him prisoner kind of deal. Yeah, let's do a, let's do a contest here. Alrighty. Contest time. If you win, you will restrain him. If he wins, he will stab you through the gut. Sounds fair. We've been trained to handle those. We're we're used to gut stabs by now. <laughs> All right, the number to beat is thirty. Well, nuts. That how does how does he? I have way more <laughs> muscle than he does. <laughs> I mean, Elfkin are pretty beefy. Well, no, literally the max that I can get is thirty, and that's what I got. So you fail in your attempt. Then. So situation. But unchanged. he doesn't stab me. Oh, he stabs you. Well, good thing I already said I was enraged. I think the stabby <laughs> stab is a little. Mm-hmm. But okay. <laughs> His sword enters your back for 44 damage, and four of these other elf can run up, holding their shields aloft and their swords pointed kind of in a semicircle on the back of your neck. And the captain says again, you have one last chance to come quietly, or we will kill you all, and not just your sanguine slut and the servant girl. Good luck with that. Mick is going to see the situation and see that's escalating, and we'll just chime in and will say the one here is a godless and the other serves Vale. 
Happy now? Can you spare us and bring us into your company? Please give us shelter for the night. You see some glances pass around this group of Elfkin soldiers. And then he nods and he says, Very well. Given that, uh, spare the Lakayuntia. Kill the pale horse still. 